Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Get Out of the Kitchen by Pastor Sean Wood. Let us pray as we come around God's Word. Father, we thank you for your goodness today. I pray, just like the men on the road to Emmaus, that we would know Christ opening our understanding as we open your Word. Father, we pray for the help of the Holy Spirit in your wonderful name. Amen. All right, if you'd like to, uh, all the Holy Spirit-filled people have already made their way to Luke chapter 10. But for the rest of us, if you could make your way to Luke chapter 10, and I'll I'll pick it up there in a moment. Uh, Over the course of January, I have intentionally, I want to do a series on replenish for those that read the pastor's comments last week. I I want to begin this year... Uh, laying a foundation where each of us move through this year, uh, instead of running on empty and running on fumes, that we learn to live full, learn to live replenished, uh, learn to live in a place uh, where we are uh, full and satisfied before God. Now, I didn't hand out, nobody knows what I'm preaching about this morning, but it certainly involves personal revival. Thank you, Margaret. And it certainly involves our identity. Thank you, Janice. But uh, we will finish, for those that were here last year, uh, we normally finish the five-week months with a healing service. We will be doing that this month in January, but we're changing the name to encounter services because I want to take the focus off just physical healing. If you need prayer for physical healing, uh, that's still part of it. But maybe maybe you need a touch from God. Maybe you need to encounter God maybe in your marriage or in your finances or uh, whatever area it is. We want to make that space available uh, and we will finish the Replenish series with that. Uh, I think the greatest threat, I think our greatest commodity, but our greatest threat uh, the one thing that the enemy would, would desire to steal from us and is doing an amazing job sometimes in the Western world is the enemy would seek to take away our peace. And we're going to find out in a moment that peace, as maybe we understand it, is not how the Bible describes it. The word peace, when it is used, particularly in the New Testament, when Jesus says in John chapter 14, my peace I leave with you, we need some context around that verse. Uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's just told them, I'm leaving you. That's not what they thought was going to happen. In their mind, the script sounded a little bit like the Messiah is going to ride in. He's going to ride a white horse on into Jerusalem, depose Rome and set up an earthly kingdom. And we're all going to be part of that kingdom and it's going to be great. And, and all, but that is not what was happening. Jesus now says, I'm going away. In John chapter 14, he says, a little while and you won't see me. Then a little while and you will see me. Sounds like some of the sayings my foster mum used to have. Like, What are you talking about? In John chapter 16, the discourse is still much the same. Uh, Jesus says to them, uh, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives. So what's the difference? Uh, The peace as Jesus would have us to have uh, is a gift from God. Uh, Many people outside these walls, uh, nobody's in the office uh, over the last couple of weeks, but I've been here. Many people have walked in the gates thinking food links open and and, and you begin to talk about people and their stories and meet them where they're at. And there is a great need outside of these walls for peace, for an inner tranquility. That's what what Jesus is talking about. 
He's talking about an inner tranquility. But the amazing thing is Jesus is speaking of a peace that he has and he's about to walk the road to the cross. You see, the world defines peace as the absence of conflict or disturbance. Jesus defines peace as an inner tranquility amidst all of your turmoil, conflict and trouble. No matter what this world throws at you, I want you to know you can know a deep inner peace. No matter what is raging on the outside, no matter what your bank account says, no matter what the doctor says, no matter what anything happens today, I want you to know, even if your wife tries to give you kale, I want you to know you can know a deep inner peace. Many people will know, uh, and I'm sure many people walked in here this morning and thought, pastor's looking buff, he must go to the gym. That's what you were thinking, I'm helping you out now. (laughs) But uh, for most people that know, we go to the gym, and last year before she left, we used to have a personal trainer. Uh, I would like to define her, I don't have any evidence of this, but I am almost certain that she descended from a rare breed of Russian military torturers. Uh, it, was, it was her pleasure to find a way to uh, build me up and break me down. One of the exercises she would have us to do, one of the exercises was that uh, to warm up the legs for leg days, she would get us to run on a treadmill. Now, listen, the only point I can see for running is if the police are chasing you. Apart from that, I see that's a Tasmanian thing. But, uh, uh, but the way that she would do it is she would get you on the treadmill and she would start you running and then she would slowly, incrementally build up the pace until you are just, only just holding yourself on the treadmill before your face hits the belt, right? And you would have to run hard like that for 30 seconds. And then what you would do is you put your hands on the side, put your feet off the belt and stand there for 15 seconds for a breath. And then you would have to lift yourself up and start running as you hit the belt and go again at that pace. And although I've just described one of the exercises I did at personal training, I think I may have just described many of our lives. Many of us live life on the Australian treadmill. And the enemy's greatest ploy is to keep turning the speed up just ever so slightly, just to make you ever so more busy and distracted. We're going to cover that word off today. As we move our way into 2022, here's some things I don't... If you think today's message is about slowing down on that treadmill, I don't want you to slow down at all. I want you to get off. I want you to get off the Australian treadmill. I want you to get off this false Australian dream that life is all about having 2.4 children. Mitchell's our point four, And having 2.4 children... Owning a home, uh, mum and dad are working their guts out, slaving their guts out, trying to pay a mortgage that they may or may not pay off in their time, all trying to save enough money for a retirement that I've got to be honest with you this morning, you may not live long enough to enjoy. And I, my, my hope and my prayer today is not to make you less busy, but to change your busyness. My hope today is that we will cease being occupied for Christ and be occupied with Christ. You see, Jesus says in John, Gospel of John, John chapter 14, he says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Not if you obey my commands, then I'll know that you love me. What's he saying? First thing, most important thing, relationship. 
as we launch into 2022, my hope and my prayer is that we will get off the treadmill that the world is trying to keep us on, going through the motions, and we live our lives running towards some kind of four-week break in transmission for a moment where we breathe long enough just to jump back onto the treadmill, but we're as exhausted as we were when we got on. You know what? The enemy, if you're flat out busy and you come to church on Sundays and you sleep half the service up the back, the enemy doesn't care. If you're coming here on a Sunday and you're just punching the card and walking back out, the enemy is not going to attack that. But when you want to get at the feet of Christ, abandoning everything else, the enemy will come against you. Today, I want to talk about the one thing that we need to do throughout 2022, the most important, the most needed, the most crucial thing you need to do when you leave here today. We're going to cover that off. And I want to also highlight four ways the enemy will try to stop you doing that. For those of us that have uh, turned to Luke chapter 10, we're going to go through the account of Martha and Mary. Now, many of us have, have read this. Many of us know this. And oftentimes, this passage has been mistakenly used to back up the contemplative life. What do I mean by that? Uh, many people have like, you know, well, here it is. Jesus proves the fact that all we need to do is sit down, hold our fingers and hum something kind of spiritual. And that's all we have to do. That, that the Christian life doesn't involve any effort. That the Christian life doesn't involve any work and that's not what Jesus is saying at all. In fact, what we will find by the end of this passage is Jesus does not reprimand Martha for working. She's not reprimanded for working. And the fact that Martha is busy, she's not the only one who's busy. Chapter 10, verse 38, now as they went on their way, Who's they, Jesus and his entourage, heading where? Heading to Jerusalem for his final hours. As they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, Bethany. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And Jesus didn't come on his own. If you were, uh, if you were receiving Jesus, if you were having Jesus over for a meal, he came with at least his disciples, if not some other followers. We often think the only followers of Jesus were the twelve. But then in the book of Acts, we find that when they were looking for someone to replace Judas, let us choose from one that has been with us from the beginning, Matthias. So Jesus had a crowd of committed people that followed him. And and there would have been a lot to do. There would have been a lot of uh, preparations. There would have been, you've got to put the cats outside because they carry disease. You've got to get everything ready inside. But the reality is that we all have a choice. Each and every day we can, the reality is if what you're hearing today, millennials, if what you're hearing is I need to go and quit my job, that's not what I'm saying. Work is good. Idle hands are bad. But may all of our life flow from a different Uh, What I love about this as we read on in verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary. Who is Mary? Now, a little bit more about Martha in two weeks. Uh, Just kind of put a tag in Martha. We'll come back to Martha as we're talking about uh, replenishment in a couple of weeks. However, Mary. Mary is just the epitome of what a love-devotion relationship looks like with Christ. Because what we know of Mary is she's the one that breaks the alabaster jar. We know that that alabaster jar represented everything that she'd had and worked for, but she's the one that pours it over the feet of Christ when she's in the home of Simon the Pharisee, who was also secretly a leper. 
And Jesus says to Simon, those who have been forgiven much, love much. Mary loved Jesus much. Mary was besotted with Jesus. And often when we read this passage, we think the only busy person here is Martha, but Mary is just as busy. She just has a different occupation. She said, and she had, sorry, a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. For those that read the pastor's comments last week, Jesus, the greatest leader that ever walked the planet, astounds me how he's the busiest man in the Middle East. If you read Luke chapter 5, you'll, read a, you'll come across a passage where it says that his fame had spread abroad and great crowds pressed around him. And then it says after that, and he would retreat to desolate places to pray. I challenge you to read the Gospels, particularly the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, and tell me how many times you read the term and he retreated to a desolate place. He got up early and went to a desolate place. He sent his disciples on before him, but remained in a desolate place. And a desolate place is not, we don't have to go out and find some random piece of bush out in the back of nowhere. No, a desolate place is a place that's free of people and distractions. It was free, believe it or not, of mobile phones. You're welcome. Mary positioning herself at the feet of Christ entails her surrendering all her other agendas and ceasing being a slave to a calendar. Everyone here has a to-do list. I have to-do lists. I'm a, I'm a to-do list kind of guy. But Mary puts all of that aside. And my challenge to everybody this year is that we put that aside. But in finding our place, my, my number one plea and urgency upon everybody this morning is that you would find your place at the feet of Christ. But I began to realise when I was looking through this passage that uh, there are four things that come against Mary that often come against us. And the first one is, if we keep reading on, let's, let's read on, uh, uh, Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Isn't that interesting? How, how many of us come into our prayer closet, if, if and when we do? How many of us come in with an agenda and a list? Okay, God, I've just got to keep moving through this. I've read my one chapter. Yep, that's great. Move on to this prayer, this prayer. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, pray for Liz. Got to pray for Liz. Got to, definitely got to pray for Liz. And how many of us go, right, we're done. We tick the box and we walk out. That's not what Mary's doing here. Mary's got no agenda. Mary is just sitting at the feet of Christ listening to his teaching. It looks like, what does that look like for me, Pastor? It looks like finding a desolate place, opening your Bible and just saying, Holy Spirit, here I am. And watch what he does. Verse 40, but here's the contrast. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Let's begin with the start of this verse. But Martha was distracted. The number one uh, tactic of the enemy, for those that are taking notes, the number one tactic of the enemy to dislodge you from the feet of Christ is to stop you from getting there in the first place. 
If the enemy can keep you busy, if the enemy can keep you focused on what's coming up today, I've got this meeting, I've got to go here, I've got to do that, I've got to go to the groceries, I've got to get cat food, whatever it looks like for you, the enemy will do whatever he has to do and he's very good at keeping us busy. Sometimes he's even so good at it that he doesn't mind if we're busy about seemingly good things. Martha is not busy about bad things here. But if he can keep you distracted, if he can, if he can keep your mind in another place, and, and I'd like to highlight three causes for distraction. Don't, please remember that it's... It, uh, remember that before I read these three, remember that it, I love you guys and you're supposed to... Right? Before we go any further. Uh, distraction. What are the three main causes of distraction? Number one, the lack of ability to pay attention. But the next two are a little bit like a right jab and a left hook. Distraction. What else causes distraction? A lack of interest in the object of attention. Please note that the Son of God is sitting in Martha's lounge room. Sometimes distractions make us oblivious to the presence of God. Number one, cause, lack of ability to pay attention. Number two, lack of interest in the object of attention. Number three, cause of distraction is a greater intensity or attractiveness of something other than the object of attention. And the enemy is great at keeping our hearts chasing after many wells that are dry and arid and broken in this world and keeping us from drinking at the well of living water. Distraction makes us completely oblivious and ignorant of the presence of God. Mary is sitting at the feet. How how long have you got the Son of God in your lounge room, right? Just as an FYI, he's here every Sunday. I, I get here early to open up and let him in, but he's already here. And just as a slight digression, uh, remember we love our pastor, but just as a slight digression this morning, uh, you get out of worship, what you bring to it on a Sunday morning. Just, just you know, uh, if you come in here and you're burdened throughout the week and all your mind and heart is on what's happened in the last week and what's happening in the next week, I can guarantee you the worship will pass you by, the bell will go and we're leaving here and what's happened? The enemy's managed to keep you distracted. I can guarantee you that if you make a commitment today that you're going to get up an hour earlier and you're going to go into the prayer closet and open the word and spend time with Christ, I guarantee you that your phone will text, somebody will text you, an email will go off. I think the greatest advice I had from last year, I listened to a message uh, that I passed on to my wife. Uh, I listened to messages on my way to fishing. And, uh, uh, yeah, I passed it on to my That's right, Ross. I said, do you need to listen? No. <laughs> okay. I'll just step over this. No, but I listened to a message and I was scrolling through my phone as I'm driving in the car and I went, yes, I want to listen to that message. And I hit the wrong one. I went back to find it and I I said, I can't find the one. The one I thought I was listening to, don't tell me how I ended up on the one that I did, but I did. And some of the greatest advice I got was, uh, he says, you know, I determined that one hour a day, one day a week, he says, I turn my phone off. And he found something really amazing, that when he turned his phone back on, the world hadn't stopped spinning. This is a man that runs a church in Dallas, Texas of almost 15,000 people. Started with 168 people, I found out the other day. 
You want to talk about personal revival? 168 people 20 years ago got on their knees in prayer meetings every week and said, God, we need a move of God. And now they are a church of 15,000 people. And they're planting churches across the globe. God is good. The number one ploy of the enemy to keep you away from the feet of Christ is to keep you distracted, to keep you busy, to make sure your phone goes off at the right time, to make sure the baby wakes up at the right time, to make sure the cat howls at the right time, to keep you distracted. Distractions come from both internal and external influences. Listen to the rest of this verse, and I hope this might help some of us this morning as we're to highlight some of these And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, but Martha was distracted. Are you distracted? Have you allowed the enemy to distract you? Have you allowed everything else to come in and pull you away from that place at the feet of Christ? It was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone and tell her then to help me? Number two is the enemy will use other people. Uh, notice here that Martha is elevating her will above both Mary's. And the most important thing for Martha right now is her will. I want some help in the kitchen. Sometimes the enemy will use people to offend you and get you, and get you focused on... Uh, offence is a choice, by the way. That's a digression. You're welcome for that one. That one was for free. This morning, but but offence is a choice. You can't control what anybody else does or says. Oh, that's for free as well. But how you respond to that? But the enemy will conveniently use people. Have you ever noticed that God's got a great plan and purpose for your life? But how many of us have got a series of friends that also have a great plan and purpose for our lives? They sound a little bit like this. You know what you should be doing. How many of us have got family like that? You know, you know what you should be doing. Martha's got some advice. You know, Mary, you know what you should be doing. You shouldn't be at the feet of Christ, but we will see that Jesus will not take it away from her. Sometimes the enemy will use other people. Sometimes, uh, sometimes, and here's the big one, the enemy will try to keep us making sure we please everybody else. I think, although he's passed away, I think Steve Jobs summed it up very well. If you want to please everybody, sell ice cream. The reality is you can't keep everybody happy and the enemy would love to keep you busy trying to keep everybody else pleased. What do I have to do to keep this? Martha's worried about keeping everybody happy and everybody pleased. And and the reason is we run to and fro because we think that our identity is wrapped up in what we do. Come to a men's breakfast. If you've never been to a men's breakfast, come to a men's breakfast and here's how the conversation will go probably to begin with. Hello, how are you? I'm good. What's your name? Jack. Where do you come from? Kapalaba. What's the next question? What do you do with yourself? Yeah. I fish. Away from me. We've allowed our identity to be wrapped up more in what we do rather than what Christ has done. And you can't really learn who you are and you can't more fully understand your identity until you understand more about who Christ is. And you can't learn that unless you're at the feet of Christ. And we're running around trying to keep everybody happy and trying to portray an image that everybody else has formed for us instead of coming to the feet of Christ and allowing him to tell us who we are. 
If the enemy knew, if, excuse me, if you knew who you were in Christ, the enemy would have a severely bad day. The number one tactic of the enemy is to keep you away from the Bible, away from the feet of Christ. He'll do whatever he has to, to keep you out of church, to keep you out of life group. Why? Because the more you're exposed to those environments, the more you'll begin to understand who you are in Christ, Number one, the enemy seeks to distract us. Number two, the enemy will use other people to dislodge us from the feet of Christ. Number three, let's keep reading as we come to three and four. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. The Lord answered her. What would Jesus say in these moments? Martha, Martha, you are anxious, number three, and troubled, number four. We'll unpack each one of those about many things. You are anxious or you are worried or you are divided or you are distracted or you are internally fearful about many things. As we approach uh, 2022, there is much that we may be fearful for, but uh, when when we unpack anxiety, when we unpack worry, when we unpack fear, it is all looking forward to stuff that hasn't even happened yet. Martha, you are overly burdened. Now, what Jesus is reprimanding Martha for is not the fact that she's working, but the fact that she's worrying. Because the minute that she's worrying, she's burdening herself. She's carrying a load that she doesn't need to carry. You're carrying a load of a series of events, Martha, that haven't even happened yet. You're worried about what everybody here is going to think about you. You're distracted with all of these other things, and you've become anxious and worried and fearful for the future. It's looking to the future fearful of what hasn't even happened yet. Number two, is to be troubled. The word troubled speaks to be turbulent or to be outwardly agitated. I'll unpack that a little bit more. Whilst anxiety and worry deal with future events that haven't even happened yet, Troubled and an outward agitation is often the result of circumstances that are happening right now. The word troubled there speaks of stirring a liquid with, a, uh, with an implement by big force. It's, it, it's, a, it's a stirring and it's agitation. Can I, be, can I be real with you this morning? If, if, you're, if at any point in time we become fearful and anxious for what hasn't even happened yet, then that's a check engine light on our heart. If you are going through life and you are having outbursts and you are physically frustrated and you're lashing out at all the wrong people, they're check engine lights on our hearts. Something's not right. And the reality is that all of us have probably been there at some point in time. The reality is we've all allowed circumstances to overburden us at times. We've allowed ourselves to become fearful and anxious for events that haven't even happened. Jesus goes on and says in verse, 20, verse 42, excuse me, but one thing, he says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and you are troubled about many things. 
that one thing is necessary, one thing is needed, one thing is absolutely crucial. And Mary's chosen that good portion. And Jesus says, which will not be taken away from her. As I begin to come to a close this morning, I want to ask some questions that will kind of set us up for 2022. I hope you begin to examine your own heart. We all become busy. I've, I've been there. I've, I've done the 80 hours a week. I was working three different jobs for the one organisation at one point in time and running my own business outside of that. Not only was I working three jobs for the one organisation and running my own business, they were offering me a fourth job before I left. I've been there. I've done the 80 hours a week. But the reality is the enemy will just keep us busy, keep us on that highway. And uh, you ever drive along the highway and you see these signs, uh, uh, drive to stay alive, rest stop in two kilometres. I pray today is one of those signposts for you. I, I pray as you're steaming along the highway of life, I pray that you will begin to take some rest stops. Places where Jesus can refill us. Tune in next week as we, as we look at this more and, and what this looks like. Uh, how can we be replenished and refilled and all those things. But so many of us, uh, uh, my mother-in-law has a spiritual gift. It's called running a car on empty for as long as you can before it runs out. She, she, she doesn't run, the fumes have run out, darling. Yeah. She rolls into the service station as the car conks out. She has a spiritual gift of running cars completely on empty, but that many of us, our spiritual gift is running on empty all the time. And you know, the last two years have probably been enormously challenging for every single one of us. I'm talking to business owners that have suffered greatly. I'm talking, about, I'm talking to people that have, have been isolated for long periods of time. Our, our, our elderly and vulnerable have been locked up for extended periods of time and that's the one, the one thing our elderly people want in nursing homes is a face-to-face with somebody. People have been going through it. I want to tell you... First car I had was a Toyota Corona. I learned something about that. Yeah, I know, Bill. I know, right? I learned something. If you run the car for too long at six or 7,000 revs, things are going to start shaking loose. The wrong things shake loose. And life has taught me that if we run our lives at six or 7,000 revs for too long, Things are going to start shaking loose. And today's message is not asking you to take your foot off the accelerator. I want you to change drivers. You see, when Jesus says, Jesus said to the religious folk in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, he says, you know what? Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That word rest means refreshment, replenishment. I will give you rest. I will refresh you. You see, we've lost, we've lost what, it, what the Sabbath means. We've lost. We, uh, 
You won't hear this preacher, by the way, as a digression, you won't hear me talking about uh, Jewish practices and rabbinical teachings. I'll tell you why. Because Paul writing to Titus said that we should stop talking about endless genealogies and Jewish myths, which distract us. So we're just not going to go down that path. Plus the rabbis killed Christ. That's kind of a personal thing. But... (laughs) But, but, aside, but aside from all of that, the Sabbath, we've lost the Sabbath. We've lost what, what that means because what Jesus says to the religious folk is, he says, man was not created for the Sabbath. God created the Sabbath for man. What's he saying? You guys have... You guys have lost the Sabbath in your rules and regulations and traditions. You've lost what it means. This isn't about keeping rules. This isn't about necessarily ceasing from work. This is about stopping long enough to give God your heart and your focus. That's what it's all about. God knows how we're wired. God knows we will be busy. God knows we get distracted. God knows we become fearful. God knows we can become outwardly agitated. So what does he say? He says, give me one day a week. One day a week where you don't go to the birthday parties. One day a week where Nan can wait till Monday. One day a week when you refocus your heart. I want to challenge you this year. Give God one day a week and give him one hour a day. Just give him one hour a day. No agenda. Just open your Bibles. Give him one hour a day and give him one day a week and see what he does with that time. I want to invite each and every one of us, before we start 2022, before most of us are heading back to work tomorrow, but before the calendar starts to fill up, before the appointment book that starts to fill up, before we start writing out our goals for 2022, can I just say, number one goal, can I invite you back to the feet of Christ? Have you moved from the feet of Christ? Have others moved? Have you become distracted? Has your heart running after many things? Then please come back to the feet of Christ. I, Will COVID end this year? I don't know. What's the next mandates coming from the government? I don't know. I don't care. The reality is that most of us in this room, it may not be this week, it may not be this month, it may not be this year, most of us in this room will probably get some strain of COVID down the track. But here's what I do know. God is still on the throne. And no matter what's going on out there, can we, can we just come back to the feet of Christ before we do anything else this year? Let's pray as we finish this morning. Father, I pray that you would do heart surgery on every single one of us. I need heart surgery. We all need heart surgery. Will you remove distractions from our lives, please, Lord? Instead of looking at fears and anxieties, instead of becoming outwardly agitated, Lord, help us to focus our eyes on Christ. I pray that every single person in this room will find their place, their individual personal place at the feet of Christ. May we this year become occupied with Jesus. Forgive us, Father that we have become distracted. Forgive us for every moment that we lose attention. Forgive us for every moment that we, we, we forget how valuable you are and forgive us for any time that anything would be any more attractive than the saviour of the universe. I pray, Father, that each one of us will find our rest
Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.